from Let's Talk About the Music, LCAC Media Network, and this is my side project called uh, Morning Coffee Stepping With Me because we're here pretending to drink coffee and being educated, there you go, and being educated on things that matter, and this is going to be a, a mental health, I'm kind of changing it to a mental health podcast to understand more about it. And today we're going to talk about what we know about borderline personality disorder because I found out last year I am. And I'm learning about it. I don't know much about it. I've got questions. We'll see how we go. <laughs> all righty. So tell us, tell everybody who you are and where you come from and all that jazz. Okay, great. And please let me know if I have an echo. Sometimes I get that on on the machine. My name is Liz McKinney. I am a counselor here at Green River College. This is now my 17th year here at the college. Yeah, it's been, it doesn't seem like it's been 17 years. Each time I say that, I'm like, really, has it been that long? But it has. Um, so yeah, I've been a, a tenured faculty counselor here and I work with students on a broad range of issues and concerns. It can range from anything school related, of course, but it can also be anything that's not school related. So sometimes family issues or, you know, stress, overwhelming stress, sometimes financial issues, um, relationship issues, all kinds of things. Anything that basically is getting in the way of a student doing well or of them feeling well, that's a good enough reason to come and talk with one of us counselors and counseling services. So that's just a little bit about what I do. We provide short term mental health counseling at the college. And how I um, kind of, my trajectory and journey in this field, in this area, I'm um, really started from a pretty young age. Like back in high school, my friends would tell me, you would make a really good counselor, Liz. You just listen really well. <laughs> and so like, it was always in the back of my head, but then I went off to college. I did my um, graduate, or excuse me, my undergraduate at Stanford University. That's where I got my bachelor's degree. And I just knew, okay, I'm just, I'm going to be a medical doctor. This counseling thing is all fine and good, but I'm going to be a medical doctor. <laughs> and so I, I took a few, um, if, if I recall correctly, it was a couple organic chemistry classes and that changed my mind pretty quickly. Um, but then I took my very first psychology class. It was an introduction to psychology uh, by Philip Zimbardo. And I just fell in love with the subject and that, so that was like actually two years into my studies um, before I took my first psychology class. And I just loved it. And everything about it, I, you know, some things it's like really hard to study, like you have to force yourself to do it. <laughs> you know, it's a chore. And when I took that psychology class, it was like, I just wanted to study it all the time. I wanted to read everything that I could, um, talk to everybody I could about psychology. It just fascinated me. And so I finished up at Stanford, got my bachelor's degree. And um, then after I graduated, I worked for a couple years in uh, basically a children's prison um, here in Washington State. Yeah, yeah, that was um, interesting work. And I, I thought that what I wanted to do was to ultimately um, like be a marriage and family therapist. And after I worked at that in that setting, I realized that, you know what, like, there are a lot of a lot of children who are in situations where you know let's say things happen and they end up in the juvenile justice system you know then they return to their home or their family life 
And the circumstances are such that they kind of end up back in the system. So what I saw was this, like this revolving door, just, you know, over and over and over again. So that's actually what drove me to want to become more of a marriage and family therapist. When I started the job and I graduated college, I thought, oh, I want to work with individuals, but that kind of turned me um, over to the marriage and family therapy side. And then I decided, okay, well, I need more education in order to do that. So I went off to sunny Florida and um, worked on my PhD at the University of Florida and got that. And then I realized because I had the opportunity to have a couple experiences with marriage and family therapy, I was like, mm, no, <laughs> this is not what I want to do. <laughs> and so uh, through my my if you are working on your PhD, you have to do a year-long internship, typically at a university counseling center. And so I did mine at the University of Pittsburgh. And through that, I, I came to just kind of appreciate better and understand the work that's involved in working as a counselor, but at an institution of higher education. Um, and so that's kind of how I landed um, at Green River. I'm from Tacoma, so it was kind of like coming back home. Cool. Um, here in Washington. Yeah, yeah. And I've I've been at Green River ever since and loved it. I mean, I, I just really enjoy working with students and seeing their progress over time. You know, we can only provide short-term counseling here, which means in our setting up to seven counseling sessions. But even within that short amount of time, it's it's pretty amazing the amount of, of progress that can be made. And so I just really enjoy um, having the opportunity to walk with students along that journey. Cool, that's on. All right, all right. So the topic I wanted to discuss because um, I was diagnosed uh, last year with well, probably diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. So I am basically want to learn more about this one. Um, kind of a personal kind of thing for me. Other so we'll, we'll do other other uh, conquer more other things, other mental health issues. But this one's my my go-to. Um, how much do you know about borderline personality disorder? Well, you know, Shells, it's a, it's a personality disorder. So that's covered, you know, and I think about like going back to grad school and what I learned about these things, that's covered in our um, abnormal psychology class. And so we talk about personality disorders. There are 10 of them, borderline personality. Yeah, there are 10 altogether. And borderline oh, you know, that part I did not know. Yeah, yeah, there are 10 different ones. Borderline is one, one of 10. Um, so, you know, in, in graduate school, <clears throat> excuse me, they wanted us, of course, to, to know what these issues are and kind of how to identify them. Um, so we learned about the different symptoms, the things that we might see. And, and you know, essentially a personality disorder is, is kind of a pervasive way of of thinking about things, of um, behaving and feeling that kind of, you could say essentially kind of deviates from the kind of expectations of the, the culture. Um, and it causes a lot of distress typically or problems um, in functioning. And it lasts over time. And it, like I said, it's pervasive. That means like it goes throughout kind of all or most arenas of a person's life. So it's not just like, oh, I have these I exhibit these traits, you know, when I'm at work or um, I exhibit these traits when I'm at home or, you know, it, it's across situations. It's kind of how a person thinks about things and engages with the rest of the world. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, and with borderline um, personality disorder in particular, and I'll just be really transparent. I, I'm not an expert <laughs> in borderline personality disorder. It is something that people, many mental health professionals, do seek out additional training um, and knowledge and experience because it, it is a specialized area. But um, like I said, I can you know I, I learned a kind of a broad brushstroke in graduate school. Um, and so, yeah, some of the things with, with borderline personality disorder, typically more commonly that we see, there are a number of symptoms that go along with the diagnosis, but primarily we see um, this pretty profound sense of abandonment, um, you know, just you know, whether it's perceived or real, but there's a real fear and concern about being abandoned or left. Um, and so, you know, people struggle with that. And then relationships to, um, a large amount of instability in relationships. So, you know, things are going great one day and then they're just down the tubes, you know, the next. It's it's kind of like a roller coaster up and down. Um, and then one of the other kind of more common things that we see is difficulty um, with just kind of regulating emotions. So, you know, like something bad happens. Yeah, anybody might be upset about that, right? But for the person who has, um, and I'm just going to, truncate it and say BPD instead of saying it out all the time. Right, 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 right. <laughs> For the person who has BPD, like, you know, something that, that might cause someone this amount of distress, like it's up here for the person who has BPD. So, you know, just being able to kind of um, regulate those emotions is really, really difficult. And I've had it explained to me um, by students who I've worked with, and I have worked with a few students who have, but <laughs> excuse me, BPD. Um, I've had it explained like feeling like you have a really thin skin, like everything just gets to you more than maybe it would for somebody else. Um, things affect you more um, emotionally <clears throat> and mentally. So yeah, that, that's kind of what I know about it. I know that it's, unfortunately, there's a very um, negative stigma, I, I think, around BPD, um, you know, and sadly, I'll, <laughs> within the mental health community, I think that is true as well. Um, I know that uh, folks who have BPD, um, sometimes it's hard to find someone who will work with you um, in the treatment of that because it is a difficult, um, it can be a difficult area and a difficult thing to treat. Um, so like I said, this, I, I have worked with a few students over the years um, who've been diagnosed um, with BPD, but typically those students are also working with another mental health um, professional in the community, like a medical provider, maybe somebody who is prescribing medication, and then they're also having long-term counseling out in the community as well. Uh, okay, cool. Yeah. All right, so I know you're not, uh, not really know, but, and I've been reading that on my own since I've been diagnosed by my external therapist. So, and I read that, and I'll put the information in the link too, that this is a, this, this, this can be serious illness. How serious can this be? How serious can this be? You know? Well, when you say serious, how, how do you mean? Um, I don't know. It's what I read. It can be a, it's a serious diagnosis. And so I'm like, so I kind of got scared. How scared is it? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, sometimes along with things that are um, not well 
there, the, the percentage of people who are diagnosed with BPD is so small that we don't, unfortunately, we don't know a whole lot about it. And so, you know, I think when we have conditions um, that are, you know, relatively speaking, rare, um, it can be kind of scary if you, you know, if you get this this diagnosis. So, you know, in terms of, if I have to think of kind of the, the range of different mental health um, diagnoses and issues, I think that for the most part, like, like most personality disorders, you know, you might consider serious because they do, like I said, they're pervasive. They affect a person in all or, or most, the majority of the different aspects of their lives. So yeah, it can be um, serious in that regard in terms of it being just something that affects kind of every aspect of a person's life. Oh, wow, okay. Alrighty, uh, do you know what causes the, the PD? We kind of, kind of brush on a little bit, but are, is there anything else that you can talk about about that part? Yeah, unfortunately, we don't know the exact cause of BPD. Um, like many mental health issues, we don't know the exact cause, but they, they, there are thoughts about it. There are theories um, that there are many factors involved. Some people think that it might be um, like a family history. If there's one person in the family who has BPD, there might be others who are also more likely to have it. Um, there are also thoughts that it might be related to our brain function and structure. Um, so like the areas of our brain that control impulses and um, our emotions that regulate our emotions, like those parts of the brain might be different for folks who have BPD. Um, and then there are, of course, like the environmental, social um, aspects and factors that, that suspected or also involved. Um, so if people have kind of history of traumatic life events um, or abuse, uh, a very kind of invalidating or unstable um, kind of childhood or, or upbringing. Now, all of these factors, whether they be, you know, family history or, or like I mentioned, environmental, none of those we can say cause BPD. We can't say that. It's there's a difference, um, you know. And maybe as you study and you're learning more and more about this, you'll start to see these two words. There's there's causal, so that's meaning that something is causing something else to happen. And then there's like association. So these things tend to happen together, but we can't say that one causes the other or vice versa. And that's where we're at with with diagnosing and kind of knowing the causes of different mental health issues. We can't really, at this point in time, we can't really know what's causing them. We know what's associated with them, what often we see together with them, but we don't know what's causing um, what. And another thing I like to mention um, about this is that um, just because someone has a history, let's say, of abuse, of, of being abused, it doesn't mean that they're going to develop BPD. There are a lot of people who experience abuse. They don't end up having BPD. Um, so, you know, it, it's, I, I wish we had better <laughs> understanding. And I imagine in time um, with advances in medicine and our ability to, to better understand the brain and neurology and how it works, I imagine we'll probably get there. We're, we're actually getting there with some other mental health issues, but, uh, I don't, yeah, we're not there yet with, with BPD. Okay. So, 
know, I mentioned now how I, I, something happened to me back in 2012, and I'm getting help with that. But how often does a tra a a, tra a trauma, yeah, trauma from the past rise to recycle into other relationships with a friend or a colleagues or whatever? Is that a normal situation or is that different? Well, just so that I understand what you're asking better, are you at, when you say recycle, how? how uh, do you... I repeat a cycle. For example, okay, something happened to me back in 2012. Um, I was into a guy, and it didn't really it didn't really end well um, at all because of somebody else in the party was jealous. What anyway? It doesn't really matter. Well, anyway, um, I blocked it instead of dealing with the dealing with head on, I blocked it and I didn't want to deal with it. And then I had became close to another friend of mine who was on my show and um, he helped me through everything, but somehow to his help, he unblocked it. And so that trauma kind of went on to him all over again, even though he didn't do anything. Is that a normal situation or is that something different? <laughs> you know, the the definition of normal is so subjective <laughs> like what's normal to one person is yeah, right. <laughs> to another person so i mean you know do these things happen absolutely um you know i, I mean, it, it happens i don't know that you could say it's normal or or abnormal um to do that i i, I oftentimes think just in a general sense if if we don't really deal with something um, it's not that it goes away, right? It doesn't right. disappear, um, but it may unfortunately kind of crop up and rear its ugly head in, in some form or fashion um, in the future. So yeah, that can be um, that can be kind of tough. And especially, you know, if it's involving a new situation, you know, and you have this old stuff that maybe hasn't been, uh, you know, processed. Yeah. yeah, it can impact other relationships. I thought so, because I got more and more and more I'm learning about this, the more and more that I am actually this development. I'm like, I wonder if this trauma back here is now affecting anything else going forward, and I'm dealing with it the best I possibly can. And I'm just wondering, you know, this question about it, is that going to affect anything else, and how do I kind of stop the cycle in a way? So no one else would get hurt from what this person did. <laughs> well, and you know, Shells, just the fact that you have that awareness is yeah. is great. Is great. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. So when I when I was uh, diagnosed with this and learning about all this stuff, um, me personally, you just me. I don't know about anybody else with this condition, but me, I felt less uncrazy because I thought I was going crazy. Crazy because I kept thinking something was not right with me. Something was not okay. I was first diagnosed with this anxiety pack disorder, but it kept coming up and up and up. Like this is not normal. I lost jobs because of this. I was told by a temp service I was unemployable because of this. I came on. I became homeless because of this situation. And so I'm 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 not homeless anymore. So I'm oh, <laughs> better now. And and so 
when I was told or diagnosed that I had this condition, I learned about it, talked to people, and I started to realize, okay, I'm, I'm okay. I'm able to breathe and actually train my brain to, okay, if I'm having an anxiety attack, how can I not go into the attack? How can I not let this PTSD trigger go into my head and work through it? I've done so far until last, until last weekend then I had an anxiety attack because I got overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the people that you may know or have talked to, have they been, have they felt less crazy after they realized what they are or are they working things out? Because I want to hear something positive coming out of the coaching. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, I've, I've actually found that there's kind of a range of, there's a spectrum of how people um, kind of get to the point of having a diagnosis and kind of what happens after that. So um, for some people, I've noticed that it can be a really difficult thing to accept, right? Like you, maybe you know, you have an understanding, like something isn't right. Like, yeah, we all experience anxiety at some time in our life, but this is like beyond that, right? Like you said, like you're going crazy, like, and it's affecting your job. It's affecting your ability to maintain your home. You know, and again, that's kind of what I mean by pervasive. Like it's hitting every area of your life and it's causing a lot of distress. That's what makes something more of a personality disorder as opposed to not. Um, so I've had some students who have really struggled with like the idea of being labeled like you're a borderline, you know, that's a negative thing. And I just my personal approach um, to the work that I do is I never tell someone like you are borderline or you're a borderline, you know, we, we are not our disorder right, <laughs> we right. who happen to have something like BPD or anxiety or depression we are not literally the the disorder itself so you know i try to help students um if i if i kind of suspect that wow you know this is looking a whole heck of a lot like something like bpd um then i try to help students to get to that point where they can kind of recognize the, the symptomology in themselves and then you know if they haven't already go out and get that assessment so that they can not just to be labeled for the purpose of being labeled but so that just like with you shells it brought it sounds like it brought a bit of relief like okay yeah. i'm just right like this isn't just yeah yeah I, I feel very very relieved because when i was diagnosed with just anxiety disorder again it, it didn't feel right but when this happened at first i felt scared that Aaron had heard me I texted a girlfriend of mine at the time, and she go, I knew it. I knew it as well as you. I knew it. Mm -hmm. I'm like, how do you know this is? And she's like, oh, I'm so happy for you found out and all that. I'm just like, I don't know what this is. I, I had to sit there and meditate for like a while trying to figure out, okay, what, and, and then start reading up on this and understanding this more. And when I go to my therapist, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm fine. I'll have a flare up. And yeah. said, yeah. I'm fine. You know, I felt really like I'm, I'm back into my skin again, where I can actually understand the meaning of my mental health. Yeah. And so I feel better. I can feel I can breathe now. I'm still looking through the uh, obstacles, but I'm able to be like, I'm okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, that's, 
awesome. That is awesome. I mean, I, you know, with, with something like BPD, it, it isn't like, um, I would say, you know, probably for most people, it isn't like you, okay, you get the diagnosis, you get treatment, and then, you know, you never have to think about it again. <laughs> it's, it's a personality disorder. Right. It is something that's going to, you know, more than likely be with you for your lifetime. And so it can be a, a matter of managing the symptoms, you know, knowing that they're, they're going to be there in some form or another. They might be mild at times. They might be, you know, raging at times, but being, yeah, yeah. Being able to manage it, I think is, um, you know, where kind of the long-term goal is. So yeah, I've, I've, like I said, I've seen the range of, um, of people and their responses to it. Some people um, really struggle with, with just kind of being able to accept that this is something that's going on for them. Um, whereas others, you know, like yourself, that feel that kind of relief that, oh, okay, you know, yeah, finally something that kind of explains, you know, this and what's been going on for me. It's not like I'm choosing, you know, right. to have these challenges or these struggles. This is just, yeah, part of who I am. And it's interesting because you said something earlier about relationships and all this stuff. And, and I was like, yeah, I have a hard time with relationships, not just, just r r romantic relationships, but friendship relationships too. Yep. You know, and I'm just like, I have been burned a few, few times, so it's kind of hard to trust. And so when I do, put down that trust and let down my guard and all of a sudden this person finds out that I can't trust this person then my whole entire reality explodes like okay I can't yeah 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 absolutely yeah the the relationship um stability is is oftentimes what I found in, in the work that I the limited work that I've done with students who have BPD is that that's a big factor like kind of when you just uncover everything, a lot of the emotional distress that students are experiencing, if you just get right down to it, it's got something to do with relationships, whether they be with family members, friends, coworkers, romantic partners, whatever the case may be. And yeah, often, yeah, there absolutely are um, oftentimes trust issues. Um, yeah, yeah. That are at the root of it. And also the abandonment issues too. Oh God, I'm working on absolutely absolutely and you know what's kind of um ironic in a way is is so there's that fear and concern of abandonment right so yeah. sometimes um you know the person with bpd can end up um almost in a way kind of like there's so much concern and, and angst about being abandoned that you you know sometimes you can kind of cling on to people right yeah. and do things to kind of actually end up pushing people away and then you're like well they're leaving and it's like well this is exactly what i you know was worried about and it's this just kind of unfortunate um and you've heard the term self-fulfilling prophecy yeah 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 yeah, yeah it's really yeah. No, no, no. I'm horrible at that. I'm trying to change that behavior too. And I'm like, I'm noticing it, but I don't have to stop. That's <laughs> hard because it's kind of the automatic yeah, thing. Yeah, it's crazy. Right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, no, it, it is tough and you're not alone in that. So thank goodness for that. And and hopefully that's what a skilled um 
you know, what skilled therapy and counseling can hopefully help anybody with BPD with is having the tools to be able to one, kind of take that step back and kind of object, you know, have to get that emotion regulated and kind of under control, that kind of automatic, you know, anxiety, fear, that abandonment to be able to take the step back and say, okay, you know what, I don't have to like text this person 50 times right now at this moment to get their attention. You know, I can just breathe and hope, you know, that things will be okay. I don't have to resolve them right in this moment, but that, that's a skill and that's, that's where I, I don't know if you've heard of this, um, but one of the from what I'm I'm have learned um, and again limited experience that I've had with students is that one of the more effective ways of treating um, DBT in terms of therapy or counseling is called DBT or dialectical behavior therapy. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, DBT. Um, actually, it's it's interesting. Um, Marsha Linehan who is a, uh, I believe she's a professor at the University of Washington, developed this way of um, working with with individuals who have BPD. Um, And so she kind of developed this set of skills that people can learn. And a lot of it is around being able to regulate your emotions better. Yeah. And, and that's what a, you know, a trained, that people become trained and certified in providing this kind of um, therapy. Yeah, it's called DBT, but I encourage anyone who is, um, who might be interested in that to, to look into that. Yeah, I'll definitely look into that because I got, I had a therapist um, for about a month or two and I told her what I need to work on. But she was more concerned about my depression and suicidal, and I'm not even there anymore. That was like five, six, maybe 20 years ago, and I'm not there anymore. And she kept wanting to go back, and like, I'm not there anymore. I'm working on current stuff. So I had to let her go because she was not hearing anything I was saying. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm looking for someone who's actually going to sit down to help me for the next thing. Absolutely. anyone who's been diagnosed with dbt or excuse me with with bpd all these acronyms right (laughs) anybody who's been diagnosed um, with bpd i encourage like if you are thinking about getting counseling or or therapy you definitely want to find someone who specializes in this because you know sadly a lot of people can go through a lot of therapists (laughs) and a lot of counselors and you know after a while you start to kind of get a bad taste in your mouth you're like i'm not need you know and so that doesn't feel very good or we don't feel like we we're being listened to and the dbt counselor or therapist is just gonna you know they're gonna be clued in to to everything that's going on so i think it's just more um, effective typically yeah yeah i need one of those people absolutely absolutely And, and so i don't know if um if i can plug just a little bit of information here yeah go for it Okay, awesome, awesome. Um, because some of your, your listeners may want to, like you, kind of know more about that. So of course there's there's NAMI, which is the National Alliance on Mental Illness. They provide a ton of great resources. That's N-A-M-I, N-A-M-I.org. You get great information there. I'm not sure about how things are kind of working now that we have, you know, that we've been in this pandemic, but in the past they would actually have support groups 
for people not only who who were you know diagnosed with BPD, but for people in their lives. Because what we know is again, BPD is pervasive. And so it often affects relationships all around the person. And so family members, you know, are often in a situation that we don't know what in the heck to do. <laughs> like we don't know how to support or help our loved one who has this, what can we do? And so um, NAMI is a great resource uh, for that sort of um, kind of information and support. And somewhere that I've actually um, encouraged some of the, again, those students who I've worked with, uh, if they wanna kind of learn more about BPD, it's called uh, Med Circle, Med Circle on YouTube. And it's a fantastic series on all kinds of mental health issues, but they have a series specifically on BPD. And I really enjoy it because it's a psychologist who, um, her name is Dr. Ramani. And she talks, um, she's expert in this area. And she talks, um, you know, in a way that like a lay person can understand. It's not this kind of hoity-toity, um, you know, language and verbiage she's using. It's it's really for anyone to be able to understand. And she just kind of lays it out and helps people better understand the diagnosis, the treatment, um, you know, and just kind of all the, the ways that BPD can affect a person's life. So I find she's great for, just kind of getting informed. And I really, and that's what I love about what you're doing, Shells, is you're trying to increase awareness and we need that. And <laughs> yeah, the mental health, oh, yes. Well, what encouraged me to do, to change this morning podcast is the fact that um, my half sister, she had something on about mental health on her and we had a lot of people were commenting. And then this one individual say, well, it's just a weakness. Like, mm -hmm. Oh, we are the strongest people alive because even though we got this situation, we keep going. Yes. We keep going. We don't stay so we don't stay home and, and cry even though I want to right now. Yeah. <laughs> <We're here. laughs> yes. Yeah. And you're just kind of, you know, getting through the, the best way that you can. So yeah, yeah. I, I think it just helps to to normalize it to, to so that people don't feel like you know, oh my God, like I'm the only one who's dealing with this and it's unique and to me and no one can understand this. No, there are, even though BPD in particular is pretty rare, but still there are, once you kind of get plugged in, there's community and there are resources. So just increasing awareness, I think is one of the best things that can happen. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, this is all, I, I, I want to, Read it as much as possibly can for a mental awareness because you never know who or what is struggling with something, you know. And every and everybody's uh, mental health is different. And I have another friend of mine who just realized he has PTSD and triggers, so um, I'm kind of helping him on the side a little bit. Yeah. And he's actually listening to me, which is very odd because no one listens to me. <laughs> And so um, it, it is kind of nice to see other people coming out and say, hey, this is why I'm, I'm going through, this is what I'm doing, this is how I'm helping myself, and spreading the awareness as much as they possibly can. So I want to trick it to that. And again, reinvent uh, my morning podcast as helping on uh, mental awareness as much as possible. Absolutely. And right now, especially. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because, oh my goodness. We. Um, yeah, it's it's evident that this just this whole situation, people being um, you know kind of confined more to their homes, not being able to 
use some of the same social outlets that they normally would, it's really had an impact on people's mental health. Yeah. yeah. The more we can reach out to people, um, the better, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. All right, so we're going to wind down here. So there's a one thing we do on my live reading podcast called Let's Talk About Music. We'll be rebooting in April 30th. Yay. And uh, we have a thing called Hot Seat where you can put the guest, me, um, on the hot seat, ask me any questions you want, your heart desires. Okay. Okay. Wow. That leaves it's a little fun thing that we do. <laughs> that leaves it wide open. Boy, yes, boy. It does. <laughs> oh, you know, I've got a question. So, sure. um, and I think this will, you know, could, could be helpful for students who are listening to, like as a student, what do you find is most helpful for you in terms of combating and kind of overcoming a sense of isolation? Like what has helped you to, to stay feeling like you're connected? Facebook possibly. Facebook? Uh, yeah, going for walks a little bit. A little bit. Me personally, I, I can take on my personally, I happen to like being in my own place and not dealing with people. Okay. Okay. Because I'm I'm a I'm an introvert and an expert an introvert on both, mm-hmm. and so I'm a people person. I love all people, and I'm I'm also known as a pixie. I I'm a pixie, so I love audience. I love people. At the same time, I don't want to deal with you. <laughs> <laughs> so I can be in my own little environment and be like over here. I'm happy. Okay. Okay. So, being quarantined for 14 days, I loved it. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know what? And that's perfectly okay. Like for you, you know that that's where it's at for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we, we were snowed in for like three or four days. Um, I kind of got kind of like cap fever a little bit. So I had to leave for about for a day. Mm-hmm. But I, I you, you do get kind of closed in and you feel like you're kind of a trap in the way so you just go for a walk go get a latte if you can go do something that's going to make you feel less trapped for your math you know and um yeah awesome yeah i think we need to have different strategies you know great you know i like being isolated i still had to go for a walk and still had to i had to go do a few things here and there just get out of the get out of the house for a moment Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Good, good. Oh, can I plug one more thing? You're going right in. Actually, a couple things. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'll, I'll think you're plugging in. Give me the links so that way I can put it in a post. Perfect. Where, okay, I'll put that in the chat then later. No, no, just email it to me. Oh, email to me? Okay, great, yeah, great. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just wanted to mention, um, you know, kind of as we're talking about um, increasing mental health awareness at Green River, actually, it's just in the kind of the beginning stages, but um, students are coming together and to form a mental health club. Really? Yes, yes. So I'll share information with you yeah. about that. Yeah, so that you can share that out with folks, too. Um, Thank you, too. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just great to connect. You know, it's great to connect with people in general, but especially with students, because you all kind of have that common experience of what you're going through and dealing with, you know, at this moment. And 
yeah, then to be able to, you know, just have that support system around you at school is, I, I think, really going to be helpful for a lot of students. So there's that. Um, and then I also like to mention too, in case, you know, people are not only listening who maybe have been diagnosed with BPD, but if you know someone who's been diagnosed um, or, you know, you maybe kind of have suspected, like your friend you mentioned had kind of suspected that you have BPD, it can sometimes be a bit um, challenging to support that person because, again, you don't know how necessarily. And sometimes people feel like, uh, I don't know what to say, or if I, you know, say the wrong thing, it's going to be an issue. And so, you know, unfortunately, sometimes people end up kind of pulling away because they don't know what to do and they don't want to, you know, make things worse. Right. Um, right. And but the other kind of risk is kind of losing yourself in that situation as well. And people can kind of get uh, roped into feeling like they're responsible for the person who has BPD, like they're responsible for them being okay. And so, you know, if I'm supporting students who are in that situation, I always tell them, you know, obviously you care about this friend or your loved one, um, but it is not your responsibility to ensure that they're okay. It's the person's responsibility to do that. You can be supportive, but it's important to know what your boundaries are um, and to recognize that. So. You know, and that's a perfectly okay conversation to have with the person. It's a perfectly okay limit to set for yourself. Um, but if you ever find that you're in need of some additional support around how to do that, um, then don't hesitate to, you know, to reach out. There's a 24-hour King County crisis line. If that's something, you know, if it's a crisis level, um, you can get support that way. You can also come in to counseling services and get some support. Um, and I should, you know, note also the, the person who has borderline personality, if they're also a student, you know, we welcome, we welcome all students to utilize counseling services. Um, but, you know, just want people to know that there's support out there. Um, if they're registered students can utilize counseling services, but, um, you know, just want to know that there's support available. Perfect. Uh, anything else you want to ask or anything else you want to say before we close this uh, interview? Um, you know, just that I'm really glad that, um, that you're doing this. Uh, again, BPD is one of the, you know, the more rare, um, kind of diagnoses that we see, but it's, it's so important that we reduce the stigma that's associated with it so that people do know to reach out and get some support and some help if they recognize this in themselves or other people. So yeah, I just really commend you and, and give you a pat on the back for doing this sort of thing. I hope that we'll see more and more of it and more and more activism on campus around it. The Gator Activities Board has been, we've been, Counseling Services has been collaborating with um, that organization, the Gator Activities Board, to offer a lot of like monthly group um, not group meetings, but just kind of opening up a space for students to talk about um, whatever kind of issues are going on. So that's been very successful too. So we know that there's a need for this kind of information. So keep at it. <laughs> yeah, you got it. If you know anybody else who wants to do uh, a little bit of interview for each uh, mental health, let me know and uh, I'll be happy to do another recording and keep this going. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Oh, you're so welcome, Shells. Thank you for inviting me. You're welcome, and have a wonderful day. Thank you. You too.
Bye-bye. Hello. If you'd like to be part of the brand new Vamp morning show for Good Morning Coffee Sippin' with Shelly and talk about mental awareness, just drop me an email at ltatmradio at gmail.com. That is ltatmradio at gmail.com or look for Good Morning uh, Coffee Sippin' on Facebook. Until then, have a blessed day.